This episode is brought to you by Dream Symbols. Dream Symbols, if you've been listening to the show long enough, you should know by now they're making some really nice handmade, hand-hammered B20 bronze symbols um, at pretty competitive prices, actually really competitive prices. Some of my favorites are the Bliss and Contact series, and also check out some of their special effects. They have little... um, you know, they have a crop circle. They have the naughty saucer. Those are two things you can lay on top of other symbols on your snare drum. They also have some cool little cup chime things and wind gongs and all kinds of stuff. So check out uh, dreamsymbols.com for more info. This episode is also brought to you by Black Swamp Percussion and Dynamics Snare Drums. That's Dynamics, D-Y-N-A-M-I-C-X. If you're not familiar with Black Swamp or Dynamics, they are a West Michigan-based company. They steam bend and machine their own unibody solid shell snare drums. You can get these in uh, solid wood maple, bird's eye maple, walnut, cherry, cocobola, babinga, and more. Or you can also get them with a titanium shell. There are three series. There's the Sterling series, which has really slick straight steel hoops and mini claws. There's also the Live series, which has a solid uh, ambrosia maple unibody shell and traditional triple flange hoops. And then there's the Backbeat series, which is made from a nine-ply maple shell and comes with four different veneer options. For more information, make sure you visit blackswamp.com. We'll talk about this a little bit more, but for now, let's get to the show. I've ever seen your snap before. No, you never pay attention. Face, FaceTime video is a different. Well, like in the Skype window, you're a little. I don't. I just don't get as much of you. Oh, but yeah. in I'm FaceTime like video, in all up in there. <laughs> hey, how you doing, buddy? Pretty Keep good. It classy. Not bad. Apparently, there's a nor'easter coming. I wasn't going to talk about the weather ever again, but apparently, there's a nor'easter coming. So, oh, man, super stoked about that. But anyway, but super on a uh, a drumming related note, remember I was lamenting about my single stroke roll plateauing. I do remember that. A couple weeks ago, and then two days ago, all of a sudden, 15 BPM were added to my single stroke roll. Shut it, the front door. It just happened. I haven't tried it again today to see if that was just a freak, like, extra caffeinated morning. Yeah. But it was weird. I kept bumping up the the metronome. like, this can't be right. This can't be right. This can't be right. I was like, wow. I, I literally just, no, it was more than that. I added 25 BPM comfortably. What? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it was a complete freak. I'm sure it that's was, that's moving. Yeah, but then all of a sudden, I'm like, all right, I guess I broke through a plateau of sorts. I don't know. Who knows? Wow. Okay. So now, are you? Even though you're not accenting, I know you're playing it unaccented. Are you feeling the pulse in sixteenth notes? So four hits mm-hmm. per pulse. So you added twenty five BPM of thirty second notes. Yes. Yeah. yeah Damn. Yeah. yeah. It just well not doing see. I'm sure I've explained it before, but I have that whole exercise that I do, that Bill Bachman piece. Okay, so that piece, you added 25 BPM to it. No, that I did not. Um, Okay. What I usually do at the end of that session, so what I do is I start comfortably and I max out with that exercise, and then I just do a measure of alternating 16ths and then two measures of 30-second notes. Okay. Then I start pushing it, like how how far can I go? At that stage, I was able to add that many bpm Dude, that's huge so a, sing- a measure of, of 16 and then two measures of 30 second notes i don't know i'm sure today it's going to be much worse who knows but it was that's, it was nice to just uh, see that i didn't have it physically reached my limits it was all mental i wonder anything. if key of destiny style 
uh, Karen and Ernie went in and swapped your metronome for one that makes you feel better about yourself. <laughs> Because that's what I paid them to do. So <laughs> I had to keep checking. Like, this can't be right. But, you know, I'm bragging, and then I'm going to try it today, and I'm going to be right back where I was six months ago. Ugh. So whatever. The moral well, of the story awesome, is man. you never know. <laughs> well, and I think the story is that you don't know when the benefit will come, but it will come if you put in the hours. Yeah, and I mean, I was ready to abandon the whole exercise and start focusing on something else. Wow, but I didn't. Like, let me just keep going a couple more weeks, see if something breaks through. And I don't, I don't know. My hands don't really feel that much different. Actually, I feel maybe a little bit less fluid, but okay, I can play faster. I don't know. Maybe it's Dude, all the awesome. pull ups and push ups. Who knows, man? <laughs> <laughs> it's. I wish if it was a science. Oh, it'd be so great. I would have that book. It'd be my best selling book ever. Yeah. But instead, it's like, oh, you're human. Then I really can't account for it. 98% of the variables that are going to go into this. It's so. so true. I mean, there were kids in my in my uh, my basketball team when we were you know, 12 or whatever. They would practice jumping every day, and I always thought, like, you're so stupid. Like, you're not going to be able to force your body to get better at jumping. It's just genetics. And then, of course, by the time we were seniors, they could dunk, and I could barely touch the net. So, you know. Backfired a little bit. <laughs> Backfired okay. a little bit. <laughs> I'm sure someone... I'm sure someone told Ash Sohn, dude, how much are you going to play a halftime shuffle? No one's going to care. Yeah, you got it, dude. You got it. Yeah. Learn these chops. Way cooler. <laughs> Ash was like, you know what? I like playing grooves. Well, who's laughing now? Oh, yeah. The other Coach side of, of the that, voice. I learned that my shuffle still sucks, man. Really? It still sucks. I mean, it's just not – I just don't play enough of it, and I I was just doing this – um this cover gig with a lot of co- like classic rock and a lot of the tunes were just kind of shuffles, like regular shuffles, like Stevie Ray Vaughan, okay, straight classic shuffles. shuffles yeah. And it just, it's it's okay, but it's not there. It ain't happening. It ain't Chris Layton happening, that's for sure. Yeah, you know, one of the things for all of you listeners that you can do in a groove, like a, say, a shuffle or maybe a, a Gadsden groove or maybe just 6-8, something that's one of our standards and you think, dude, I've, I've got it. Just play your basic pop groove that you play the groove you feel most comfortable in. Play that for about two minutes and then go play a shuffle or a Gadsden groove or a 6 8 groove, something that you think you have down and just see how your body feels. Are you as loose? Is your brain as loose? Do you feel that you're completely free in that groove? And sometimes you feel super just, you know, caged in. Like, all right, yeah. I'm holding it together, but if I start to get a little bit saucy, this thing's going to fall <laughs> yeah, it's apart. It's on a razor's edge. Yep. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And I have plenty of those standards, you know, and I, honestly, that's what we went over yesterday in camp was the Gadsden Groove, and it's an entire day of us digging into that. And I've got a good group of campers here. I mean, these cats can play, and all of them were like, wow, I just never realized that all I did was learn how to play 16th notes on the hi-hat, two and four on the snare, and then a bunch of bass drum variations. Uh-huh. But no hi-hat texture variations, uh, ghost notes. I mean, they all stop. Well, not all of them, but quite a few of them. That were, I'm saying these are good drummers, and they stop their right-hand Gadsden groove to play the ghost notes. Mm. So their hand comes up for that extra left hand. Interesting. Things like that. Yeah. Um, being able to really get, you know, we all have that down-up, chit, 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 chit thing going. Well, that doesn't work in all styles of music. Uh, the guy that we're going to talk about later today, Boots Green, when he's playing with Wiz Khalifa, he's not, it's so, he's chopping like, wood, yeah. Yeah, and it's but I mean it sounds like a sample. It yeah. sounds like someone's literally playing with their finger going tit 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 <laughs> and it's it's so flawless. Um so so you need to have control over that. So I feel you man. I uh I've 
I really want to dive into shuffles, especially after I think we all as a drumming community saw that Keith Carlock video of him breaking it down. Yeah. It was like, okay, yeah. I want to get into this, especially as an educator. I want to be able to teach this with uh, confidence. And then it's like, I just, I just keep pushing it to the side. It's like leg day. I'm like, ah, shuffles are leg day. That's it. <laughs> That's the new t-shirt. Shuffles are leg day. If you get it, you get it. If you don't, you're not a drummer. Leg day. <laughs> it's like, I'll get you, to it later. You have a leg day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now at Jazzercise, AKA CrossFit yeah. every day is leg day. I, I've been sore for five months straight. So I don't think I've heard uh, anyone say leg day since like 1994. <laughs> hey, you keep talking, I'll slap your protein shake right out of your hand, tough guy. You're lucky you're three. You're lucky you're three thousand miles away from me. Did you just hold your protein shake? Up? Yep, that's it right there. Oh, empty. Already had it. Empty. Oh, well. Here's to you with my green tea mug. All right. Uh, So anyways, just to wrap that up, uh, this is the last camp of the year. It's going amazing. And uh, actually, one really cool thing is happening on the last day, getting a surprise visit from Chris Brewer, the A&R of Minal Symbols. So he'll be here for the whole last day of camp, and he's going to just be on hand to participate in camp. He signed me, uh, see, on the second year of camp. So he signed me 60 camps ago, Hmm. and He's never been to one, he, and so I'm always telling him about it. But I'm like, man, you got to experience what a day of camp is like, and the bonding, and the ups and downs of everything. So he'll get to experience that. Then my band will play that night, uh, which I'm really excited nice. about. And then, uh, and then he'll stay for another day and a half so that we can get in some minor work. But it'll be really cool to have him here. And Chris is really great at putting the minor hat off to the side and then just answering people's questions about symbols in general instead of making it a minor thing like let's talk bronze not minor bronze let's talk size not minor size so um so i think that'll be really helpful to the campers so let's talk uh brandon's halloween beat huh (laughs) we did didn't you hear me Talk about how deep he went on that Michael Myers groove. Uh, that was great, man. If you guys, uh, there's a video of it too, so you can check it out on YouTube. Uh, really cool stuff. Yeah, and, if you uh, search for Michael Myers plays the Halloween theme song on the drums, you're going to get Brandon, who is our intro beat for this episode, to well, uh, usher in an early Halloween celebration for us here. We're going to going to be in between episodes when we actually hit Halloween. I'm going to be giving a uh, lecture on Halloween. Really? That's pretty celebratory and terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to skip CrossFit because I was alerted today that on Saturday, I don't even know if that is Halloween, but on Saturday, uh, it's dress-up Halloween CrossFit day. So I was like, yeah, I'm good. That sounds dangerous. That sounds like Do you mind me dressing as uh, the uh, head educator of (laughs) Mike'sLessons.com on CrossFit day? Because I could do that. Uh, so weird. yeah, I, I'll be skipping that. I'm not. I have no desire to be in an outfit, sweating my ass off. Uh, so <laughs> negative, negative. I will not be in in tights, looking like Robin Hood, trying to do that stuff. All right, so <laughs> let's move in. <laughs> Happy Halloween, everybody! Education, sticking patterns for oh, odd groupings. Right. Another Aaron Edgar lesson. Yep. And this guy loves the odd stuff. 
He's he pretty does. dang good at it. He's into the weird stuff, and we are happy to have him writing for us. It's been I've, mm-hmm. it's funny. We were having a meeting the other day about you know what we're going to do in the future issues and educational stuff, and one of the questions was, is Aaron Edgar ever going to you know run out of ideas? I'm like, nope. <laughs> he nope. does not run out of ideas. When you're dealing with this much math, you just... <laughs> You just shave a note off and you start all over again in 1516. So his article is focusing on getting comfortable with fives and sevens uh, via sticking patterns. And then the crucial step is then when do you break free from those sticking patterns and try to challenge yourself with something that doesn't fit within the five note or seven note groupings. That's tough. So um, he's suggesting starting with starting with a pattern like a right, left, right, right, left for five, getting comfortable with that, with that and then using that to kind of teach your ear and your body to hear these quintuplets. And then you can start moving it around on the kid. I think that's a pretty sound approach to learning how to hear odd groupings. So we're not talking yeah. about odd, actually be odd subdivisions, not odd groupings. And how See, we that's, define that. That's the tough thing is I feel so incredibly comfortable in threes, fives, and sevens, mainly due to the guy we talked about last week, Yost Nickel. But I feel comfortable in them as groupings. I don't feel comfortable in the fives and sevens as a subdivision, so quintuplets and septuplets. Mm-hmm. Um, threes, fives, and sevens going over the bar line, I can literally keep track of time as we keep going past the bar line. I know where it all comes together. I can round it off. If you put me in a quintuplet feel, <laughs> I actually do have to do what he suggests in the beginning because that's where I'm at in that stage of my journey is I have to play a five-note pattern to stay in quintuplets comfortably. I can't just improvise in quintuplets. I have a question. We'll come back to the quintuplet, but when you're playing five note groupings in sixteenths, uh-huh. do you hear it as a shifting accent pattern, or do you hear it as a grouping of five, and then you just know how many fives to play to get it to resolve? Mm. Eee, that's a good question. I never do it. I guess I've never really worked on it without a pulse, so I'm feeling it. As let's say that it's the traditional right, left, right, left, left that a lot of us do to give us that mm-hmm. one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five. I feel that as one e and a two e and a three and a four e and a one. Right. E okay. Two. So you're hearing so the yeah, accent I, shift. Yes. Which is um, that's that's the way I hear it too. But a lot of um, a lot of people that I know that studied Indian rhythm, Indian percussion, they learn. They just learn to just play the five this many times, and then it resolves. Wow. And just yeah, trusting see, if I, it. When I do that, then I feel it as quintuplets. It changes my... Then I feel... Dun, dun, ga-ga, dun, dun, right. Ga-ga. And then it's like, oh, now we're here. Uh, now Which I, I guess now that's I've actually kinda, created... That's probably the um, point, is then that would free you up to not have to think of this shifting accent. It's rather just play a five and do something cool with it. Know that if you do whatever five this of them many. it'll yeah. it'll resolve right yeah I don't, I don't like letting loose like that though i feel like i would totally no. rush or drag something would happen but the one thing that i got right away from the first part of aaron's article number one is a sticking pattern that i don't play as a five it's a paradiddle a right hand lead paradiddle with an extra left right so yeah right left right right left right left right right left right left right right left and i think that What's cool about that is most of us already know the single paradiddle, so I've got this down. I just have to put a left. It's just the fact that it doesn't 
fall on the next downbeat. So you and he's not doing uh, the first and third note, the one e and a two, e and a. so this will teach you a great four over five polyrhythm. Um, well, in his case, a five over four because he's feeling his quintuplets. But if, even if you're doing this as sixteenth notes, this gives you that one e and a two e and a three e and a four e and a one e and a two e and a three e and a, and you'll start to feel that. So I really like this a lot. And the first thing I thought of when I saw this was a concept that I can't remember who brought it to my attention because it was so many years ago. But taking any rudiment that's four notes long, so a paradiddle, uh, if you only do the right hand lead part of it. Um, uh, flam a diddle, two double strokes, and put a kick drum at the end, and it instantly becomes a five. Mm-hmm. So para diddle kick, para diddle kick, para diddle kick. So for me, when I first looked at this, I was like, "Oh, this is my jam!" And then I was like, "Oh, dang it! There's a little five over the top." He wants me to play this as quintuplets, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, um, so that's where it starts. But like you said, I mean, even in the and you guys should definitely go to moderndrummer.com and check out the video on this. But I think he starts playing the video just playing a paradiddle groove as quintuplets but against a metronome that's playing quarter notes um is that right was he doing his quintuplets and then 16th notes or maybe he was actually doing this um but it was i remember just feeling i was i felt a little seasick when he was playing <laughs> well that's, that's what, yeah i think is. i think fives quintuplets have that nauseating feeling for me as well it's just something about the five note grouping over a pulse that not five sixteenths, but playing five subdivisions. Right. I think it just. It, I don't. I don't like it. I mean, that doesn't mean I won't trust that it has some application for me at some point in down the road. But right, I, it definitely feels nauseating to me a little bit. I don't know why. Yeah. I mean, I think one thing that you at home that are listening to this in your drive, your jog, or whatever should think about is. Don't learn things just to learn them. Learn them because they're getting you closer to your goals. Now, if your goal is to play things in quintuplets in the, or in a prog band or especially in a musical situation that's using quintuplets and, and septuplets, you should absolutely put time into this stuff. If that's not your goal, one reason why Mike and I learned our polyrhythms and learned rudiments that will never play exactly the way they are on the kit is because you're building up your freedom. You're building up your ability to stretch, to think outside the box, and you never know when you might just use a little tiny chunk of it real quick somewhere. Yeah. Uh, and I yeah. and so I think that this stuff is absolutely important. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure I play fives and sevens when I'm in the flow of something, but... right. And I know I've I spent play, time like really practicing them as well, but I don't. Right. I don't construct beats with that in mind. It probably just right. happens at this point. Like I want something slightly faster than sixteenth notes or something. Right. Yeah. And I, I definitely do quite a bit. I, one of my biggest chops that's a repetitive chop is is a septuplet, and it's just a paradiddle diddle with a bass drum at the end. Hmm. And I and it, or actually, it's really a bass drum at the beginning because I can play quarter notes on my kick. And then squeeze in a paradiddle diddle in between all of those quarter notes, and that gives me septuplets. Um, uh, but I'm I'm yeah. keeping time with my right foot. the bing, and so I don't have to I don't have to be playing a groove and think, oh crap, how would I count septuplets coming up to this? Here we go. <laughs> I, it's, it's it's more of a physical like, well, my foot's going to play quarter notes, and I'll squeeze in some notes around it. Um, that, I think that yeah. was actually on Todd Zuckerman's first DVD. Um, That's cool because you're you're relying on things that you already know how to do, and then forcing them to do something that that isn't completely normal. Yeah, That's absolutely. Cool. It's like a Keith Carlock sort of sounding lick. 
It's it's almost the same thing, and and I think on Todd's DVD, what he said was that the first three notes. So if you have a paradiddle diddle and you put a kick before it, your first three notes would be kick right left, and then you have two diddles, mm-hmm. and he called that his conjunction. Those first three notes, so he could do kick para diddle diddle, kick para diddle diddle, kick para kick para kick para kick para diddle diddle. So it gives you like type of thing, and. And you just keep multiplying the kick right left as many times as you want. So it's like almost like a jo- a bottom triplet in front of it at the beginning. Uh, it's a really cool way to think of it. Um, so I'm yeah. gonna feel really bad if that's not from Todd Zuckerman's first DVD. <laughs> if, if he texts me it later and he's like, like "Dude, that's that was JoJo's thing, man." Um, all these things kind of blend together, but. That so I do use septuplets in that way. I think the the level that Aaron's at and definitely that Annika Nillis is at is when they're in the subdivision like you and I would be in in sixteenth notes when they're in quintuplets and they're just drumming, but they yeah. really know the feel of the quintuplet five notes per pulse. That's a that's something that I haven't put any time in. So I don't think that I suck at it. I just think I have no hours on it. I've never tried to improvise in quintuplets. Um, and then design a practice routine to get me closer to that thing. Yeah, and I mean, there's really hard to find musical uh, scenarios to put yourself in where that would be. Where and that's why Annika be. writes the music yeah, to right. put it in. You would have right? to write loops that are in five or, or right. write pieces that, that accent those patterns. You could force it, but then I think that's when that rub, that kind of nauseating rub. So I'd like, if right. I, I try to play a five, it's usually in some sort of 16th note based pattern. and. It's just a, an odd rub that I don't really enjoy. Yeah. But I think really, I mean, what Aaron's showing you, though, is that th- clearly he's into it and he's making it work. Um, yeah. And he's got a band 200- that writes music like this. I mean, that's what they're doing. Yeah. And, and the other thing is it's just showing what's possible. And that's a thing that I think all of us go through is where is the good balance between art and math? I don't want to be so artsy that I don't care about subdivisions or sticking and I just close my eyes and play for the love, man. Like, I don't – that's not me. And then being full-blown math geek, that's not me. I'm somewhere in between. I, I want to know that this stuff exists, but I want to find a musical application for it. And I think a lot of us live in that world. Yeah, I mean, I think, for instance, you could take example one, right, left, right, right, left, with an accent on the first right, sit with that for like two weeks. You know, it's math, it's conceptual, but where are you going to take it? It just right. so happened that Aaron took it all these ways that are in the article, but your and my path yeah. will be completely different. Will it be a groove? Will it be a fill? Will you start doing substitutions with the bass drum? I wouldn't, naturally. Right. Like Honestly, work. for me, I would just, the first thing I would want to do is go back and forth between quintuplets and 16th notes. So going. One e and a ga two e and a ga three e and a ga four e and a ga one e and a two e and a three e and a four e and a five e and a one e and a ga two e and a ga. So the my hands never change, but my rate of speed changes according to the pulse. I want to at least be comfortable doing that. Yeah. See, I wouldn't have done that. That's cool. Not where. I mean, even each of our paths of expiration would take us somewhere different, but it's still coming from a math-based theory right yeah i mean hearing that pattern as eighth notes one and two and three and four and five and one and two and three and four and five and even that's just a weird groove mm-hmm. you know so very cool well there you go aaron you screwed us up again oh my god my <laughs> ringer's on holy hell and we'll turn that off 
<laughs> so check out Aaron's newest article. It's in the current issue of Modern Drummer Magazine. It's called Sticking Patterns for Odd Groupings. And it's by Aaron Edgar. And you can see a full video of him breaking this stuff down. So yeah, um, sure. I think those videos really help. When you, when you have decent reading skills, but they're not the greatest, video along with the reading, it puts it all together for you. So pretty cool stuff. Now, we're going to talk about our featured artist, Mr. Eric Boots Green. But before we get to that, we've got a little bit of sponsorship for you. We do. We have to welcome in our new sponsor, which is Black Swamp Percussion and their Dynamics which is dynamic with an CX at the end, snare drum series. We reviewed them, gosh, it's probably been a year ago at this point. Yep. Um, but they wanted to call attention to a couple things they have going on. So if you go to blackswamp.com backslash dynamics hyphen shop hyphen sessions, we'll have a link to that in the show notes. But <laughs> if you go to their website, uh, they have a lot of great video footage of their artists playing on the different snare drums that are in the dynamics series. They have Todd... Watts playing his Sterling series, 6 and a half by 14 Black Limba. They've got demos of their Ambrosia Maple, their Cherry. Uh, what else is on here? Zebra Wood, Veneer. Tons of stuff at the Live series, the Backbeat series. Well, it's Sterling it's good series. Stuff. Yeah, the three and snares. And I will say this. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. We'll say there's this three different snare drum series. Um, and I remember, if I remember correctly, the Backbeat series was the plywood shell that I thought was an incredible value. But yeah. these are all amazing snare drums. So go check out those demos. Um, do you have something to say before we jump into the next bit? Uh, yeah. They can fully send me at any point in time the Titan Bronze drum set snare drum. <laughs> I won't even be mad. I won't be mad if I have to cover shipping. I get it. I'm fully endorsed by Gretsch. Love Gretsch drums. That snare's dope. Oh, uh, I'm so glad I let you uh, <laughs> chime in on that. <laughs> hey, man, I, I don't work. I mean, I can just say what I want. I just was clicking around. It's a pretty dope snare. Now, that it's cool. Uh, and I remember when we reviewed this stuff, like you said, I, I mean, just saying, plywood snare you know it's like what yeah huh um but it was still it was like wow this thing sounds great yeah cool well so, welcome into the fam and then the other thing to make sure you know about if you are in fresno california area they are having a dynamics road show where you get to check out um, i think actually they're stocking their snare drums for two to three weeks so the their snares are at bentley's drum shop in fresno now through oh sorry that one's over stop two is at salt city drums in salt lake city utah that is now through 11 3 and then the stop three on the dynamics road show is at dubs drum basement in dublin california that starts on 11 10 and goes through 11 30 so if you're in those areas you can check out these drums um, in the flesh, and I, and all three of those places are incredible. They're definitely worth going to. Yeah, I can almost guarantee you'll want to leave with a drum. <laughs> That's a great guarantee. That's a great almost guarantee. All right, let's get to Eric Boots Green. This is our featured artist. This is the drummer currently for Wiz Khalifa, but holy hell, this dude has a resume. And I'm going to be fully transparent. I was not aware of him at all until I realized what he'd done and then realized almost Matt Chamberlain style how aware of him I actually was. Yeah. Um, 
so I mean, he's played with everybody. I don't have the rundown here, but well, started think, with Jill Scott when he was eighteen. Yeah, and that's when I first met him. I think that was when I first met him. He he was still in Philly when I was there for grad school, and I remember going to a club, and there was some band just killing it, and he mm-hmm. was on drums. And it was it was one of those humbling, like, okay, I'm pretty sure this dude's a lot younger than me. His concept of drumming is way further than, along than mine is. <laughs> it sounded killer. And that was when I first realized the, this trend toward, like, tubby-sounding toms in that mm, yeah. that word. I'm, so we're going back 15 years, 14 years. Now, now that sound is like everybody's doing it. But back then, that was kind of a new thing where the floor tom sounded like a bass drum. Right, so right. a lot of his patterns yeah. were like double kick sounding, but it was just a real dead, muffled floor tom. Right. Really cool. So yeah, he's actually I think just finishing up a tour with Jay Z and Beyonce. That's that's his current thing. What a tough life. Tough life. Great drummer. Tough life. But I mean, yeah, it's it's crazy when you look at what he's done. Snoop, Floetry, Common, Pharrell Williams, Patti LaBelle, Jay Z. Uh, Sean P. Diddy Combs and Wiz Khalifa. I was watching that Wiz Khalifa video, and I mentioned this earlier in the podcast, but I just I really couldn't believe that I wasn't listening to a drum machine. Yeah. But those are the drum machine patterns that drummers just can't play. It's too broken up. You can't. There's no way to memorize it. It's too almost non-human feeling. It's too perfect. And and this was from somebody's like GoPro or somebody's phone. It wasn't. Yeah. You know, I wasn't hearing the house mix where it was all samples. This was behind the stage. And it was unbelievable and so clean. So clean. stuff right all like broken up hi-hat rhythms yeah yeah but i mean i i you would think that it would have even like the 30 second notes would have that chicken ticket chicken ticket chicken and it was like ticket 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 it was so flawless um so and then digging in from there and going into seeing how much stuff he's produced and the music he's made on his own yeah i actually love his own music it's pretty cool. So, um, you know, you can look it up under Boots Green, but really cool stuff. Uh, yeah. So you've known about him for a while. Yeah, I mean, that was, gosh, I don't, I don't that was in like 2003 or four. So that was when I wow. first saw him play. And it was, it was, you know, he and Spanky were kind of the two guys in Philly yes. that everyone was just kind of going nuts over. Mm-hmm. And, and it was very humbling. It was a, a very humbling experience to see those two guys play at at that level at a young age. I'm like, okay, they're on a different level, whatever, wherever they're, they're coming from and where they're going. It's, it's a different world. I feel like I'm finally, my ears have caught up to that style, um, which I think we're hearing it in like snarky puppy and all the bands that are kind of inspired from that world. Right. Um, but it just, it's hard to put into perspective for me how far and it sounded to hear this, like, it was almost felt like they were playing fills the entire time, but it wasn't a chops fest. It was just this broken yeah. up groove, like a never well, never ending groove. 
And there was, especially with somebody like Jill Scott with the live shows, there was so, so much orchestration being done and uh, arrangements that were not part of the album. And so all of a sudden, it was like, who did Tower of Power arrange this? This is mm-hmm. so many stabs and hits in, a, in an R&B tune that didn't have any real stabs or hits in the actual song. You know, I remember if you listen to uh, uh, Long Walk by Jill Scott, one of her first singles ever, and you listen to it as a song, I mean, like from the album, from uh, Who Is Jill Scott, it's one of the most chill things ever. I, th- I think Quest played on it, because I think The Roots played on that whole album. But anyways, it's very loop-centric. Mm-hmm. And then you hear her play it live, and I remember at the time, because she immediately started touring, and you were hearing this thing where it was just crazy to hear all these almost it was right in between gospel and big band the amount of stabs that i was hearing mm, and right. they were set up and and when he was playing this stuff he that's the one thing that i think really took us back was the chops that set up the stabs were so definitive and so purposeful it wasn't like i'm going to drag and roll my way into this and hopefully i hit it in the right <laughs> spot it was flawless precision and it I would assume if I was a horn player, the way he played would have really helped me know exactly where to hit, you know? Really yeah, cool. Yeah, definitely not faking the time. I mean, you can, I mean, <laughs> yeah. whether or not they're playing to a click track, he's certainly not relying on it. Like, he's setting it up in a yep. real authoritative way. And that's that's what I got from seeing him in a small club. It was just the authority, the command, and just just pure confidence behind the kit. Uh, there's a pull quote in his feature that I, that I think is gold, and I need to, re- like, print it out and put it on my own my snare drum for every gig it's simple but he says you got to feed the crowd you have to be damn near more static to be there than they are Oof. that i mean because i am so guilty of just wanting to put blinders up and not be engaged at all Get right so just obsessed with my with the playing and the music of it that i forget that you kind of got to give them a reason to care <laughs> and show that you enjoy yourself if you don't want to be there, why would they? Yeah, and not and not false hype. I mean, just that. Just I think of that as just presence, stage presence. It's that. It's it's remembering for that forty five minutes that you're lucky to do this, and this is why you put in all the work. This is why you missed out on all the socialization that most human beings have, and you mm-hmm. sat in a room drumming. It's so that you could have this moment. You finally have this moment, and you're going to look down at your snare drum for 45 minutes? Right. I'm not yelling at you, Mike. <laughs> I'm just... No, so if it was I, me, you would say, stop staring at your ride cymbal felt, dude. It's creeping me out. <laughs> <laughs> Especially because I'm sitting right behind your ride cymbal felt. I thought this was a good place to sit. Now I feel like... I don't know. You send me weird texts. But no, I, I think that that's... Uh, that's something that you can feel as soon as you start watching videos of him. And the good thing is there's tons of video content of him on YouTube. But once you start watching videos, he's having the time of his life, but he's just playing flawlessly. It was really, really impressive stuff. Yeah, so check out the story is in the November issue. He's got his own YouTube channel where it's a lot of – it's not tons of playing, but there's like a lot of behind the scenes. And he's, mm-hmm. he's got a heck of a personality. He actually – hit me up on instagram that's how this this all started it was like hey i'm a hip-hop drummer what do i got to do to get in the magazine it's like all right well all you got to do is email me <laughs> right yeah yeah <laughs> let's make it happen that's always honestly i i know where he's coming from that's such a weird thing to do where you have to be like hey just been killing it in the scene for 30 years <laughs> any chance you could just write my name down um so uh yeah it's tough but there's so many great drummers out there it's hard to cover everybody but i'm glad we got around to covering boots green check him out on his youtube channel 
and uh, you will be impressed for sure. All right, it's time to do some candy, some gear review. This thing's really cool. I had not heard of this until you did the review on it. Uh, this is the Roland TM6 Pro Trigger Module. Yep. Take it away, Mr. <clears throat> Dawson. So this this is one of those pieces of gear that I think Roland put out, I guess, last year, maybe maybe the end of last year, and it might have gone under the radar for a lot of people because it's not a drum set. It's literally a module. Um it's a trigger module, so it's kind of like you can build your own hybrid kit, or really you could build your own electronic kit if you wanted to with this piece. So it's it has, which is kind of unheard of, it has six trigger ends. Wow. And each of those can be split to two monos or one dual trigger. So you could realistically have 12 pads hooked up to this thing if you wanted to. Wow. It's got a hi-hat controller, so you could have a you know control over open and closed. What's really cool is it has four outputs, so you can separate, you know, if you want to send just the kick to one channel and just the snare to another channel, and I mean, you can really control how you process it or record it later. Um, and what is also cool is it has the ability to upload your own sound. So if you wanted to, if you wanted to recreate your entire, your band's entire record based on your own recorded drum sounds, you could just load them in here and toggle through, throw a trigger on your kick, trigger on your snare, toms if you wanted to. Um, so this, for me, for my purposes, this is exactly what I wanted an e-drum company do, to do, is not try to sell me a whole kit and then end up just using the module. It's like, here's just a module that's killer. You can expand it however you want. If you want to make an e-kit yeah. out of it with old used pads that you might already have lying around, or do you want to use it with triggers and mix in acoustic drums? It's, it's really powerful. And this, so, go, go ahead. No, you go ahead. What'd you say? No, okay, I will. <laughs> I will <Speak> now. <laughs> uh, so, in the uh, demo that you did, which we'll, we'll take some listening to, uh, I just couldn't tell. Am I hearing a mix of the module and your drum set? You are hearing. Yes, it's a blend of okay acoustic kick with a triggered kick. So, what I do, and before each, just kind of scroll through maybe four or five presets. I hit the pads on top of the module so you can kind of hear what the samples sound like. And then when I play the kit, it's a blend of my real bass drum, real snare drum, and those samples. Yeah, pretty cool. Let's give it a listen. Yeah, so they've you know they've added a ton of new sounds to that module. It's not just a reworked version of the you know TD fifty or whatever module. Um, yeah, so that's that's basically that. What you see if you go to the website, you see that video. My setup is kick drum, floor tom, snare drum, hi hat. I have a trigger on the bass drum, actually trigger on all three drums, a dual trigger on the snare, single trigger on the kick, and floor tom. I also have a bar trigger pad. 
So any of the crash cymbal sounds that you hear in the demo, that's that's actually straight trigger. There's no that's a hundred percent sample. Yeah, game. there's no crashes in my setup. It's it's pretty cool. Um, the other thing is, I love the fact that you can import the samples via SD card. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times I get annoyed by having some old piece of gear around here that still uses a USB stick, and I have to go like to oh, Staples right. or to yeah. Target, and I'm like, do you have a <laughs> USB stick? Like, I, I, <laughs> I haven't how been to Nam. We've evolved. This, I know, right? I have to go by a booth, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, I don't need anything on this. I just need your USB stick because I got to load some samples on my Behringer X32 rack." Um, so yeah, so I think that this is a really cool thing. But I, I also think what you said is really important, which is for a while, for people that wanted to do what you did, it's kind of funny to think this. There were zero options. You had yeah. to buy the module that came with the kit. Yeah, and they wouldn't even sell that module by itself. No, you had to buy a whole kit and just not it use was the unreal. kit. Unreal. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think this will help a lot of people, especially the people that want to blend tones, um, yeah. because sometimes it's like you don't want to lose your entire drum set just to have a hand clap. But having a hand clap on top of your snare drum makes it so easy. So, and real quick, does this come with any triggers, or is this? The 799 is just for the module. That's just the and module. The, yeah, okay. the triggers and you buy the triggers alone. You know, the new Roland triggers, I think, are like 100 bucks, and they are, cool. they're great. The I have both versions, the older ones and the newer versions. The newer ones are, they. I mean, the old ones still work, but they're bigger and kind of chunkier. Okay. The new ones are real streamlined. So you're talking about the RT30 trigger? RT30 series, some of the best I've ever used because they, they, they hook right onto the hoop. They don't get in the way. They don't move. Um, nothing cool. comes loose in them, and they they trigger really well. So you'll even hear, I think, in some of those demos, I'm doing like double stroke rolls. Yeah, yeah, no, I heard you it doesn't of... sound like a machine gun. It tracks yeah. really well. Uh, another really feature cool. that I think is probably easy to overlook is they incorporated some of the ideas that are in the SPD one pad. So the one where if you create a click track and you have a backing track. You can you can load both those into here and they'll sync up automatically and the click will just go to the headphones and the backing track will go to the headphones and the main out. That's so cool. Which is for live applications that that gets rid of so many steps of pre-production. Like, what do you do? Do you route the click to the right channel and the track to the left channel? Yeah. You just have two separate files and this thing will just catalog them correctly as long as you name the files the way they suggest. But that's a great wow. feature, I thought, of having – you could put your entire show in here and have click tracks that you know are going to be perfectly synced up and not – I was going to say, I mean, I, master. I could literally just take this with me to a to a clinic and play all my clinic tracks from this and not even bring a laptop. Yeah, exactly. And right. if you wanted to throw up a, a pad to trigger something else, you can do that very easily. I'm sure Yamaha loved hearing that. I'm just, I'm just losing all my endorsements today. Uh, awesome. Well, check out the Roland TM6 Pro Trigger Module and the RT30 Triggers. You can also see the entire video of that on the product close-up on moderndrummer.com. And before we get to your listener questions, it's time to thank another one of our sponsors. All right. Special thanks to Dream for sponsoring the show yet again. Um, Again, I think we've kind of gotten the word out. So Dream is a serious contender in the great-sounding, not-break-your-bank symbol market. Um, I'm going to just drop in another chunk that I grabbed from their YouTube channel. This is uh, Scott Pellegram demoing the Energy Series 15-inch hi-hats. Again, the Energy Series I always thought was kind of the rock-and-roll, quote-unquote, series for them. But it's not. It's kind of the more like 
medium all-purpose series. So let's check it out. He's kind of just improvising with these 15-inch Energy Series hi-hats. That's it. Thanks, Dream, for sponsoring. And where are we at now? We're going to get into... It's time for some listener questions. All right. Let's dive in. Some listener questions. The first one is from Michael Beachy. He says, it's not really a question, but I think he's trying to get us to address an issue. So, Brian Blade is my role model, but it seems impossible to emulate the main part of his unique style, which are the musical choices that he makes. Those choices are based on his background and interests and abilities, etc., Although I understand much of what he's doing technically, I can never in a hundred years come up with the ideas that he does. Mm. Feeling so strongly about him means that somehow his sense of musicality resonates with me, but I have no idea how to get to the next step. Uh, yeah, the the short answer to that is, yep. Yep. <laughs> There's a reason why some of the greatest drummers in the world look up to him and idolize him. It's because of the choices. Learning how to play the drums is a series of rights and lefts and kicks and dynamics, and we can all do that if we have enough time. But the magic is in between the ears, you know, the choices you make. Yeah, um, and you also have to chase his influences. Actually, I just exactly. found a video. Um, I don't know who posted it. It's on my Facebook page. I just shared it. It's early um, Brian Blade with Joshua Redman. Yeah, man, the Elastic Band. I don't know if it was that. No, band, it's but before that. It's before it's that okay. when they were playing like straight hard bop. Oh and wow! And he sounds like Elvin Jones with really clean technique. So, mm. if you want to understand Brian Blade, you've got to really understand Elvin Jones, and then you've got to really understand Johnny Vodakovich and the Orleans drumming because that's where he's from. He's from Louisiana. So I think trying my opinion, my advice. You want to get to that level of freedom of expression that I think is probably what you're into of Brian Blade. You got to know that at one point he sounded exactly like Elvin Jones, and at another point he probably sounded exactly like, you know, Philly Joe Jones. Right. So you can't just and jump I mean, ahead to that, like, I sound like this unique, you know, non specific entity on the drum set. He, he didn't start there. Well, and also it's, it, it depends on what's framing your drumming. I mean, if you're if you're gigging with some of the greatest musicians in the world every night and they're pushing you to express yourself, then you're literally in a training ground. Yeah. And you're going yeah. to become more expressive every single night. And if you're just sitting at home without those musicians to push you, then it's you can't expect for the same results. It's no, going to be a little bit different. That's true. And I think, for, I don't know for a fact, but I'm imagining Brian Blade's on tour with Joshua Redman for how many years... At some point, he's got to say, "Okay, I've got to stop doing that Elvin th- Elvin thing. Let me right. let me try something else." And it wasn't because he lost his love for Elvin. It was just, "Okay, I've I've done no, no, no. six months of playing this way. Let me just tweak it." So, at the gradual, I don't think at any point he said, "Let me just do my own thing." It was baby steps. So I can tell you, it actually just from it happening to me in the rock world, it comes from compliments. People keep saying, "Dude, you got that Abe Cunningham thing down," and you're mm. like. 
Uh, I used to dig that when I was just starting out. <laughs> right. That's the tenth time I've heard that. I want yeah. you to. I want you to tell Abe he's got the Mike Johnston thing down. So you know, then like, you're like, well, what is it? Is it the hi hat flourishes? Okay, right. let me eliminate those for a I'm while. Cr- it's gone. Yeah. It's gone. It's out of my vocabulary. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's a, it's a journey for sure, and we're all on it. Yeah. All right, next. All right, next one is from uh, Lewis. Can you explain the function of the kick port for bass drums and any thoughts you have for its use? Wow, that's something that took our entire industry by storm really quick. And I haven't heard much about it lately, but I'm sure they're still around doing great. Yeah. Um, but I remember when it came out, it was a big deal. Um, and yep. I remember being a part of it, like testing them out for them and everything. Really cool so stuff. So the kick port is a plastic tube with some, I don't know, like rubber flange on one side. So it, mm-hmm. it goes in the porthole and it kind of sticks to the porthole. The theory is it increases the low end because of this extra length of tubing that's inside the drum. It doesn't, it doesn't extend outside the drum. Uh, I've spent a lot of time reviewing them. I think I reviewed them twice. What I found is I'm not sure that sonically it really does as much as you might think. You feel it. You definitely feel it. Yes, agree. Because I think just adding that extra weight to the front head kind of makes everything just feel heavier and punchier. Um, it. I could hear it more on like cheap bass drums if you have like I've a always said that entry-level yeah, drum you can really hear it more because it does something to just kind of get rid of that wonky mid-range stuff yeah if you have a five thousand dollar custom bass drum i wouldn't i don't i wouldn't expect to hear much of an improvement yep. with a kickboard so that's kind of where i think it sits in the industry um i kind of used to use it in the studio but then it started rattling a little bit so then i got the microphones were just picking up this rattle that i just mm. had to take it out so I think it has yeah, a use I mean, for for certain people. If you want something that feels extra heavy and punchy, it could be cool. If you have a cheap, a cheap drum I, that just sounds kind yeah. of mid-rangey, it could be cool. I think that that's where it lives, man. I mean, I remember having at the Drum Lab, we had my my DW, my personal kit, and then we had uh, a really like entry-level PDP for a while. And when I put that kick port on the entry-level PDP, it was night and day. It was like, oh, yeah. my God, now this thing's a kick drum instead of a wonky bass drum and then i put it on my dw thinking it's gonna go through the roof and it was like that yeah, sounds like my dw so yeah i totally agree if you have a lower end kit and you just want to get some crazy sub low and feel that sub low in your chest i think the kickboard's pretty awesome actually all right last one is from damien damien down in cape town south africa he says i've been teaching for almost four years now and i've come across a couple of students who are not keen on learning jazz or world music styles their excuse is that it's too difficult or that they only want to play rock and roll or something like that. What advice can you give me to try and get them into playing the above-mentioned styles? Uh, get on board with rock and roll, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I don't know. That's always a tough thing is, is do you want to force a style on a student? Um, because it's such a personal choice. And... I think it depends too on what level they're at. You know, I mean, I can't expect a 12 year old kid to hear uh, some Los Van Van and be like, what's that beat? Like, oh, yeah. well, that's Chinguito and he's playing the song. Like, I, so I don't foreign. expect that to happen. Yeah. yeah. Right. So I, I think, I mean, I do love when someone comes to me and says, hey, I heard this groove. What is this? And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. We get to learn this now. 
it's cumbia time yeah. or whatever it is, right? So, um, and same thing with jazz when they bring in, an, like, oh, my dad gave me this. It's called Kind of Blue. It's like, you do you like it? Let's let's go in. This is going to be awesome. Yeah, so. yeah. I think you got to find a gateway, f- uh, at least for if you wanted to get them to listen to the styles. You got to find a gateway. Right. For me, it was I was a funk, hard rock, classic rock fan, punk rock fan, and then I heard. Dennis Chambers, which was the funk element with fusion, and then I heard Dave Weckl, which was a little bit more jazz, and then, by the way, there's a straight-ahead jazz tune on Dave Weckl's first record. That sounded so strange to me. What is it? Next thing I know, I'm buying John Coltrane records, Miles Davis records. So I needed that gateway for me. It was really important. Um, Agreed. I think... What I would suggest, if you have the opportunity, is take these students to go see this music live. Mm. Take them to a jazz club. Take them to whatever whatever might be playing around you. Because once I saw stuff live, that was it. On record, even even pop music, I don't really enjoy as much on record if I see it live. Right. So yeah, I agree. Would be my advice, two pieces of advice. No, I, I completely agree. Seeing a, a jazz drummer, it, it might be their first time to see a drummer not play a beat for forty five minutes. Yeah. But instead, they play music on their instrument, and it's just. Like, wow, well, okay, now I'm in. Um, yeah. But yeah, if, if the excuse is it's too hard, everything's too hard on this crazy instrument. Rock and roll is too hard. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Playing a rock and roll beat at trip, you know, triple pianissimo is too hard. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all too hard. Everything's too hard. Right. So, so um, Yeah, so please send your, um, your questions, mdinfo at moderndrummer.com. I wanted to follow up on one that we had, I think it was last week, where uh, someone was asking about notation software for ipads or something like that yeah or like how to you know look at sheet music so pal randolph sent a message he says he uses an app called four score i think it's f-o-r score he says you can import pdfs uh, of your charts you can make set lists you can annotate on them you can highlight sections you can tap the page if you can turn the page if you just tap the ipad or you can use a foot pedal so that may be your perfect solution for score. I know I probably should get it instead of just doing the the lo-fi version that I do of just having a scrolling PDF. But so that's the app for score. F O R score S C O R E. There you go. All right, pick of the week time. Uh, first of all, just want to correct it. It's just pianissimo. Triple P pianissimo. <laughs> Triple P- pianissimo is called silence. Pianissimo. <laughs> <laughs> pia, 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 pia <laughs> Sorry, I got really excited and I dropped a triple pia the more, the more P's you add, the more vulgar it sounds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Pick of the week, you go first. All right. My pick of the week is an album. Um, I think it's relatively new. Yeah, it came out on October 5th. The Dude. The Dude. The Do. The new Donnie McCaslin record is called yeah. Blow. Um, yep. And it's a. It's a pretty significant departure for him. If you're not familiar with his band, it's been a pretty um, jazz-oriented but not swinging kind of more modern fusion ensemble. But this was the band that played on uh, David Bowie's final record. I think that had a major influence on him to kind of shift for a bit. So it's a little bit more indie rock pop. There's vocals on it. There's kind of more grooves on it. But they're still going pretty crazy. So if you're into yeah. like creative indie rock slash indie pop, this is a good one. Uh, Donnie McCaslin, Blow. I'm pretty sure Juliana's on the whole record, but maybe there's some other drummers. But there's also some loop layering and, and all that kind and of is stuff. And is, is Zach out with them right now? 
I'm not sure. I, I think he he fills or in he? when okay. when needed. But yeah, Zach Danziger is often okay. playing with them. This is a band that I have not seen live, and I know I need to see them to get the full experience for sure. But the record nice. is Donnie McCaslin. Nice. Um, the album is called Blow with a period at the end. All right. Well, my pick of the week is nothing. <laughs> I seriously like nothing. I I have so many things uh, on the brain right now. I'm getting ready for a tour that I have coming up in where I'm doing a festival in Poland, then four dates in Germany, then a festival in Spain. I've got a camp going on right now. So yeah, silence. Uh, Your pick of the week is personal silence. Yeah, man. Float tank. <laughs> Float tank. <laughs> Uh, I will say this, kind of pick of the week. I've been using the app Calm to go to bed every night, and it's helped a lot. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah, I'm actually using oh, – man, this is going to be a tough one to say out loud. <clears throat> I'm actually using the bedtime stories. Um, what? And they have different famous actors read you a bedtime story. But it's like you oh. know, uh, the Orient Express or whatever or uh, Autumn in New Zealand. But, yeah, they just go, all right. This is autumn in New Zealand. And then, <laughs> and then, yeah, like, I mean. Do you have trouble first, falling asleep at night? I do. Really? I really do. Man, yeah, as soon as I lay down and close my eyes, I'm done. 30 seconds. I, all I want to do when I lay down is get up and go back to work and be more productive. Mm, so you're trying to, like, rush through the whole sleeping thing? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'm excited to go to bed because it means I'm that much closer to waking up and being productive. Mm. So... Yeah, I've got some issues. Got some issues. Oh, I wanted to make sure I I forgot to mention I'm going to doing two clinics in Maryland, Pennsylvania area next week. So next Friday, uh, November 2nd, I'll be at Making Music in Frederick, Maryland. And then the following day, Saturday, um, I will be at Woodland Percussion in Avondale, Pennsylvania. That's a noon to 3, and then Making Music is 6 to 8 p.m. I'm essentially going to be beta testing my PASIC uh, clinic at those events. Nice. So if you want to come cool, be a man. part of that and maybe uh, help me abandon all ideas for PASIC, come check nice. it out. Nice, man. I love it. Oh, by the way, another half pick of the week. Those videos that Elon Rubin's been putting out with Reverb, oh, they're great. just killer. Yeah. Just killer. They're great. So that's a half pick of the week. Everyone have a great <laughs> week. Get some practice in. Happy Halloween. And our outro groove this time is from... Matt Cunningham. He is playing a... He says he was practicing Samba de Orpheus, and this is what came out. He's playing a Gretsch Gretsch Catalina Club kit with a little bop-sized bass drum. He's got the Acrolyte Black Galaxy snare, some dream cymbals. So let's check it out. This is his original Samba de Orpheus-inspired beat. Later, everybody. See ya. Five-star! Reading. (laughs) 